Mitchell McLam, lead pastor of Sapona Road Church in Fayetteville, North Carolina. We're so excited you found our podcast. Our prayer is that you're blessed by today's message. If you would like more information about Sapona Road Church or would like to give to this ministry, please visit our website at saponaroadchurch.com. We hope you have a great day and enjoy today's message. Please turn with me to the book of Psalms, Psalm 121. I want to read this and then I'm going to do my best to give you the revelation. Beginning in verse 1, it says, I will lift up my eyes to the hills for which comes my help. My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. He will not allow your foot to be moved. He who keeps you will not slumber. Behold, he who keeps Israel shall neither slumber nor sleep. The Lord is your keeper. The Lord is your shade at your right hand. The sun shall not strike you by day nor the moon by night. The Lord shall preserve you from all evil. He shall preserve your soul. The Lord shall preserve your going out and your coming in. From this time forth and even evermore. Life is a journey. It's a journey that we never really know exactly what turn we're going to take and exactly what direction we're going to go. We know that as Christians we have an end destination, right? We know we're looking to the inheritance of the Lord. We know we're looking to the day that either we're standing on earth and Jesus returns back and he takes us home or, or the day that the end of our life comes and we, we get to meet him face to face and we get to uh, hopefully, Lord willing, be welcomed into the kingdom. Well done, good and faithful servant. We know that's the end point, but we have no idea what lies from here to there. Amen. And on journeys, it doesn't matter how, how far of a journey you've got to travel. It doesn't matter what kind of adventure awaits you. There's always good. There's always bad. If you've made many road trips, chances are at some point in time, you've had something happen with a vehicle. Maybe it got you there and back. Maybe it didn't. But something happened along the journey. We've traveled with a lot of teenagers over the years, and we always have one, and sometimes I just thought it was because maybe they were drama queens, but we always have one end up puking in the back of the van. It's a journey. I could go on, and I could tell you stories that probably are not even almost appropriate, but there's always something along the journey that just is it's like a hiccup. And at the same time, there's always these high mountaintops. I can look throughout our life, and and we can look throughout ministry. You can look throughout your life, and you can remember the highlights of life. You can remember a time when you said, wow, that was, that was the good old days. Or you can remember a time when it was like that was the, one of the best days of our life. That was one of the best seasons. That was the best vacation we ever took. But it all is a journey. And in a journey, we all have situations and we all have times when we we just kind of get overwhelmed. Amen? And I, I made up my mind a long time ago that I was not going to be a minister of any sort 
a pastor of any sort, a leader of any sort that was going to fake my way through times in the journey that weren't perfect. Because if I'm willing to fake my way through and I'm willing to look like I got it all together, what in the world hope does that give somebody else in a real life situation? I'm not, not going to do it. I'm not going to be that person. And so this passage of scripture that I read you places us in a situation, almost in a, a pilgrimage as a journey. The psalmist is writing, and he starts out writing, I look, to, I look up to the hills, I look to the mountains. And then he asks the question, but where does my help come from? He says, my help comes from the Lord. And then the psalmist switches gears and he goes from, I look to the mountains and, and I look up, where does my help come from? To now he changes and he says, he will not allow your foot to be moved. So I know by the psalmist's wording and how he switches from this first person conversation to a third person conversation, whether he's talking to somebody who's on this journey with him or whether he's talking to me or you who will read this one day, it's encouragement. It's to somebody. And in my, my whatever I may have been in, whatever I may be walking through, when I look around and I see in the middle of this journey, you ever been in a place where you looked up and the, the mountaintops are gorgeous? I love to go to the mountains. Do you love to go to the mountains? Pastor Jonathan's like, yeah, can we go now? There's something about seeing God's creation. The, the mountains are, are phenomenal. And I've only been through the North Carolina, Tennessee, Georgia, Virginia mountains. I've never been out to the western side. My mom and my dad and my sister talk like that, that those mountains make our mountains look little. But I ride through the, the mountains of Tennessee and through the mountains of North Carolina. And the thought one day. I had a guy in my truck who had never seen mountains. He was from Texas, and he was used to flatland. And we ride through, and he's amazed as he looks up, and he sees the way that the road's been carved out of the, the wall of the mountain. And, and I said, and can you imagine how big God has to be for his finger drawing in the dirt to have created these mountains? There's something spectacular about the hills. But in the same way, when you get right in the middle of the mountains and you start looking out around you, it don't matter which way you look, you can see nothing but mountain. The mountains offer protection. When the storms roll through, there's places, there's little nooks and crannies in the, in the mountains, in the valleys that, that they'll avoid the rainstorms, they'll avoid the snowstorms, they'll avoid the, the wind. Because they're protected by the walls of mountains that are around them. But still this psalmist says, I look up to the hills. On this journey where I am, this place that's beautiful, this place that God has created, this place God has made me. I look to the hills and still wonder, where in the world does my help come from? You ever been smack dab what felt like you're on the mountaintop, you're in the middle of the journey and... Life is good, but you still look around and you're like, well, wait, what just happened? He said, I look, I will lift up my eyes to the hills. Where does my help come from? 
And he says, my help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. And all of a sudden that psalmist realizes, all I can see around me is mountains. But if I look up a little higher, I see the creator of the mountain. I see the one who's placed me right in the middle of the mountains. And then he takes that knowledge and he realizes my help don't come from the mountain around me. My help doesn't come. The protection that I'm really receiving isn't actually from the mountain. It's from the God that created the mountain and put me in the middle of the mountains. And then it switches gears. He said, my help comes from the Lord, which made heaven and earth. My help comes from the God that created all of this. Therefore, let me encourage you and tell you that he will not allow your foot to be moved. You ever been hiking? You ever been hiking in the mountains? I love to go to Grandfather Mountain. And I've told you the story Already, one of the highlights of our ministry was we took a group of teenagers to Grandfather Mountain. See, we got highlights in our journey. We took a group of teenagers, and there's this one young gentleman who has um, muscular dystrophy. We took a group to Boone to serve in Operation Christmas Child in their warehouse to go through shoeboxes. And I've told you this, and I took them to Grandfather Mountain and, and I love to go there, but I love to go there because I'm a daredevil that's really not scared of a whole lot. And I say that, I probably am, but I'm not when I'm on Grandfather Mountain. The swinging bridge does nothing for me if you've ever been there. I'll get out in the middle of it and I'll jump up and down and make it bounce and everybody else is flipping out around me. And I go on a cross and I'll climb up to the peak and then they got a little sign, you don't need to go beyond this point. Well, I purposely go past that point. I'm that guy. And, and I took this teenage boy up Grandfather Mountain, and he could go to the point. It's handicap accessible all the way to the bridge, and you could cross the bridge, and then that's where you got to stop. And so all these other teenagers were at the top of the mountain, and they've all gone up, excuse me, they've all gone up, and they're all testing their little points, and they're trying to figure out just how far they can go, and I prayed over him and said, listen, I don't want to go back and tell your mama you fell off Grandfather Mountain. And I look back, and there he is. And he wanted to go up the mountain, throw him on my back, and start trucking up Grandfather Mountain with him on my back. Somebody behind me, somebody in front of me, making sure that if we fall, we don't fall, but just so far. But I was being very careful. And whether you've had somebody on your back or not, you're very careful when you're walking that mountain about where you step. As long as I walk on flat ground, I don't typically watch where I walk. And I'm laughing because Micah says, no, he doesn't. I'll trip over a toy in a heartbeat. I don't know if it's because I'm tall or if it's because my peripheral vision doesn't go as low as it should. I don't really know, but I don't look down. But as long as I'm walking on flat ground where I'm comfortable, I don't typically have a problem walking. But when I go get off of the flat ground and I start walking somewhere that's uncertain, I start walking up Grandfather Mountain, especially carrying somebody else on my back, I'm watching my feet. And there was a time or two I slipped. There was a time or two a rock slid out from under my foot. 
But when it did, those men that were beside me were standing right there, and one of them grabbed my leg and put it back on. The other one grabbed me around my waist and held me. And on this journey, on this adventure that you and I are on, there's times when we're absolutely called out of this comfort zone. And if we're walking on flatland, we ain't really going a whole lot of places. Right? As long as we're walking in a place that we're comfortable, we're walking on ground that's sturdy, ground that's stable, ground we can walk on with our eyes closed, there's really nothing new that's coming to us. And God is not really creating any new opportunities or creating anything new within us. But when we start walking on the mountaintop and we start finding our way into the, the mountains of life and, and, and we're, our foot begins to move, it says that he will not allow your foot to be moved. I look to make sure there won't no crazy imagery, there won't no crazy wording. The original language literally means your leg, your foot, and he will not allow it to be moved. He's going to sustain it. That means that I can look around the mountains. And when life is just uncertain, I'm talking about me, but I sure hope that you're putting it in your perspective. When life is not certain, when I'm doing my very best, God is calling us places. We are in a time of revival, and he's given us vision. He's given us direction. We've had three powerful back-to-back -back services since this beginning of this year. Why would we not end up in a place where we look around on the mountaintops and say, Lord, what in the world? He's calling us places. He's taking us places, and if we're walking in what he's calling us to, we're going places where our feet are not sure. And the psalmist has said, you know what? I know where my help comes from. My help comes from the Lord. I don't have to look around at these mountains. I don't have to look around and be discouraged. I don't have to look around and be afraid. Let me now encourage you. Your help comes from the Lord. Your feet will not be moved. He will not allow you to slip. He will not allow you to stumble. He will not allow you to fall as you're walking on this journey he's put before you. He says, he who keeps you will not slumber. Behold, he who keeps Israel shall neither slumber nor sleep. And as I read that, I look at two different thought processes. Can you throw that scripture up, please, sir? I'm thankful that I serve a God that doesn't sleep. Amen? I know that in the middle of the day, in the middle of the night, when, when, when nobody else is awake, when all else is quiet and calm, in them wee hours when nothing good can go on in those wee hours, you know, you've been told that before. My mama used to say, nothing good happens in the middle of the night, son. I serve a God who's not asleep on me. I serve a God that just because I might be in the middle of a mountain, in the middle of this journey, and, and life is, is a way that it may be, just because I'm not calling on him, needing something from him every minute of every day, he ain't going to sleep on me. I can't stand when my computer goes to sleep on me. But if I'm not constantly touching it, if I'm not constantly doing something on it, it's going to shut down, right? I know there's a setting I can change, but it kills your battery life and your monitor. Just don't do that. It drives me crazy for it to go to sleep. I don't like it. 
I have to constantly be asking something of it. I have to constantly be touching it, constantly be doing something. We have friends that are that way. You ever had a friend, you ever had a connection that if you didn't babysit that friendship, they were gone? I'm just being real. We've lost friends throughout our journey because life, ministry, New relationships, things have taken place that we didn't babysit those old relationships and now we look back and they're gone. I'm glad that the God that created heaven and earth don't wait on me to babysit him. I don't have to constantly, I, I sure I should be needing something from him all the time, but you know as good as I do. There's seasons of life when we're on the top of the mountaintop where we're just feeling like we're walking in those steps and it's like, whoa, wait, what happened? But he's not asleep. So that's one side of this equation, but then I also look at the other side. And if he's not sleeping, that means I can. That means I can. We were talking yesterday, and the Great Wall of China, George said, had, had only been breached just a very few times. And the few times it's been breached, it wasn't because some major uh, plan had been come up with and some big fiasco and they didn't go down and break down the wall and tear it down. What happened was the guard man fell asleep. Fell asleep. I'm so thankful that in my life, I can lay down and I can rest. I can sleep. I can slow down. Knowing that God's not going to allow anything to come against me, I can fall asleep while I'm walking up the side of a mountain and he's going to hold my foot at the last place it was planted. His word says that he leads us beside the still waters. He lays us down to rest. He leads us to green pastures. The green pastures are not always for us to eat, and it's not always about the provision. It's a green pasture in the middle of a wooded area where he's watching all around us, and we can lay in the green pasture, and we can lay there and relax and soak in the sunshine while he's protecting everything else around us. He'll neither slumber nor sleep. It says that he is our keeper. The Lord is your keeper. I love the way this psalmist made this personal. Because his word is eternal. Amen. So that means from the very day that this psalm was written. To the very end as the last word says forevermore. Every person that will ever walk this earth, that's ever walked it, that's walking it today. When I look up to the hills and I look up beyond the hills and I see that my help comes from the Lord, he keeps me. It doesn't necessarily mean that he holds me real tight and squeezes me and don't let me have any freedom, that he don't let me go. It simply means that he sustains me. As long as I will allow him to. He will sustain me. As long as I allow him to, to, to pull me in and as long as I allow him to protect me, as long as I allow him to be over me, 
Not in some hovering way that's lording over me, but we're walking around in Walmart last night and Walmarts in Feville have gotten crazy. And I don't even want Madeline walking around, even if she's right beside me, unless I've got her. You're going to take her. You're going to take her out of my hand. I'm keeping her. I keep her in more ways than one. But I'm keeping her. And as long as we will allow the Lord to do so, he will keep us. He'll walk beside us. What's even more awesome to me is he says, the Lord is your shade at your right hand. There's another passage of scripture that we recall about the right hand. Doesn't it go something like Jesus is sitting at the right hand of the Father? He's at the right hand at the place of honor of the Father. So now how have roles all of a sudden reversed? And here is Jesus, the Savior of the world, that that was sent by the Father, the creator of everything, the keeper of the heavens and earth. And here now the Lord is my shade at my right hand. I can sing a song like I'm blessed and I'm favored, I'm, I'm highly favored, I'm anointed, I'm called. To know that Jesus sits at the right hand of the Father and here now, when I need the Lord, he is my shade. Did you know your shadow follows you everywhere you go? Even in this building where the lights are straight up above me, everywhere I look, there's a shadow. It's not going nowhere. I don't have to think about it. I don't have to make it be there. I'm standing in the light which we could roll on with. His light's shining down on me, and as long as his light's shining on me, there's a shadow, and he is at my right hand. Do you understand that? That we're important enough to God, the creator of the universe, that he would be our shadow at our right hand. He said, the sun shall not strike you by day, nor the moon by night. That represents two very different scenarios. We see them as light and darkness. But in the day that the psalmist is writing this, the day produced an excruciating heat. A desert-style heat. that would weaken, that would tear down the people. It says, the Lord would not strike you by day. In the middle of the heat, in the middle of when, when the fire gets hot, when the pressure's turned up and the pressure's turned on, the sun will not strike me by day, nor the moon by night. Darkness brings an unknown. You want to attack an army? 
You don't want them to know you're coming? You do it in the dark. You do it as stealthy as you can do it. And the enemy would want nothing more than to destroy you when you don't see it coming. It's a tactic. It makes sense that he would use it against us. All of a sudden, a financial burden to hit. All of a sudden, the sickness come on or all of a sudden, some little small conversation begins to cause turmoil in a marriage. Remember, we're on a journey through the mountains. We're at a high place. But when we least expect it, when our eyes are closed, when we can't see what's around us, the enemy's doing everything he can. The Bible says to shoot flaming arrows at us. The God we serve said the heat will not scorch you. The pressure won't crunch you. It will not crush you. And neither will the unknown. The darkness will not overtake you. He said the Lord shall preserve you from all evil. From all evil. Then he says the Lord shall preserve your going out. And you're coming in. We talk a lot about going to the secret place. Going to the place of protection. Finding our, our place in, in the cave or finding our place up high, seated above our enemies. We read that passage and we see the protection of the Lord as a place. The only way he can preserve us going out and coming in is if that preservation and that protection doesn't come from a place, but it comes as him and the person walking right beside us. They're safe places. They're places that you know that if you go there, you're safe. What about the idea that I don't have to run to a safe place? Where I am is a safe place. I don't have to go to the police station when everything's breaking loose. I remember when I was a little boy. The only fight I've ever been in my entire life. This kid pushed me around, he pushed me around, pushed me. He was the, I was the only boy in the class that was smaller than he was. We were like munchkins. Little bitty scrawny boys. And I was the only one he could push around, the only one he could do anything to because I was the only one smaller than he was. Them other boys would have stomped us in the dirt. And he pushed me around, we played basketball outside and he pushed me around and of course he could always say he was just guarding and defending but really he was like punching me in the process and my daddy said son if you come home and tell me something else he did and you hadn't hit him you're getting a whooping 
Parenting 101. And the next day, playing basketball. And he starts pushing me around. And it wasn't out of anger. I typically am a pretty slow to anger person. There are times when certain people know how to push buttons, just like you got buttons. So this was actually a premeditated swing. And the premeditation was, he's pushing me around. Do I want to whoop him from him, or do I want to whoop him from my daddy? And so I thought, maybe he'll quit, maybe he'll quit, maybe he'll quit. He didn't quit. And so I finally, somehow, some way, it ain't even in me. But I hauled back and I hit him. Right in the temple. And we rolled around on the ground for a couple minutes. I want to think he grabbed my ears, I don't know. And when I got up, I took off running. I beelined to the teachers. I mean, pew. What is it? What is it? What is it? I said, he pushed me around. I hit him. My daddy told me to hit him. He's trying to beat me up. I knew that if I could make it to them, he couldn't touch me again. It was a safe place. But what if my daddy had been standing beside me when I was on the basketball court the whole time? And when I'm walking on this journey, we're in this journey of life. And we look all around us and we see mountains. And maybe it's not mountains. Maybe you don't understand why you're in the middle of a storm. Jesus had had told the disciples, get on the boat, go across. And and the storm comes up and it's like, there's nothing there. There is no mountaintops. We're in the middle of the ocean. We're about to drown. Peter gets out of the boat. Jesus said, hey, it's me. Come walk to me. He gets out of the boat. And it says he took steps. And when he took steps, he saw the wind. The wind. I ain't never seen wind. I've seen the effects of wind and the damage that wind can do, but I've never seen wind. That day, Peter felt the effects of the wind. And whether it's in the middle of the sea or whether it's in the middle of the mountains and and life is either up good and we know that we're on this journey and God's brought us to this place or whether we're, why in the world has he sent us to this place in the middle of the ocean where we feel like there's nothing, whatever it is, if we look around, we're always going to see something coming at us. If we look in the horizontal from the top of a mountain, If you look in the horizontal and you look where you can see and you stay on your level, you will always ask the question, where's my help coming from? The writer said, look up. I believe it's Psalm 34. It says, I will lift my spirit to the heavens. Look up. Would you stand with me?
I know this is a different place than we've been the last few weeks. But family, we can't be naive to think that in the process of being world changers, we ain't fixing to have to fight some battles. In the process of fulfilling the dreams that are put before this church, living by the standard and the goals that we have put before us, that we believe God's ordained for us. If we don't, if we don't slow down and understand that we're fixing to face some opposition, we are most definitely naive. I don't know where some of you are today. I don't know where you are emotionally. I don't know where you are financially. I don't know where you are physically. But I do know and if we look around us, all I see is you. And I'm tied to you. I'm connected to you. Our roots are grown down together. We're supporting each other. We're not letting each other fall. But that's not enough to sustain us. We better look up. We can't go only horizontal and not go vertical. The cross is an absolutely torturous way that our Savior was crucified and killed. But that cross goes straight out and goes straight up. And whatever it is, that's coming before us whatever it is that is before you don't allow yourself to sink because you see the wind don't allow yourself to slip and fall because you look around and you see the mountains all around you and you don't understand that our Father, the Creator, is walking behind us, holding us up. He preserves our coming and our going, not just yesterday, not just 50 years ago, not just tomorrow. But it says from this time forth and even forevermore. Our God is a good, good God. He's a good God. And he's put us on a journey. He's put us on, a, on an interesting adventure. There's an old song, Stephen Curtis Chapman, saying this is the great adventure. This is the great adventure. You and I get to be world changers. But through this trip, 
through the mountaintops. We got to have enough sense, enough understanding to look up. Would you pray with me, Father? I love you. I thank you, God, that you've given us your word. Lord, I thank you that you are a good God. Lord, better than anything we could ever comprehend, better than anything we could ever understand, better than anything we've ever experienced before, you're good. God, and I thank you for this journey that you've put us on. I thank you for this time, God, as, as we began this year, and Lord, you've, you've poured into us, and we've connected with you. We've grown closer to you. You've brought us to this new place, this new walk with you. God, but we understand this morning that with new territory comes new challenges. And God, I pray that as we take just a minute and think about our situations, every area of our life, our relationships, finances, our marriages, our work, our families that we're connected with, God, whatever it is, God, maybe we've been in the middle of a time or a, a middle of a season where we don't understand. We look around and we know that we're on board with your journey. God, but we look around and we don't see that you're the creator of the heaven and earth. God, today's the day for us to be reminded you're the keeper for us, Lord. You're the preserve, preservative for us, God. You're the provider. You're the protector.